So I once gave a job interview. And there's okay. this really respectful lady, honestly. She looked at my CV. And she was like, can I just ask you something? And I knew what she was going to say. She's like, why can't you just focus on one thing? You're all over the place. Okay. I told her, give me my iPad, give me my stuff. And I walked out. Really? Yeah, I did. I just like, I don't want, thank you very much for your time. I hope you find the candidate that fits. I don't want this job. Hello and welcome to The Main Man Show. We are coming to you from a special place, which is Ghazal Stable here in Riyadh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Janadria. And today we have a, I mean, it's very hard to describe what you do, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it. You're an artist, a fencer, and someone who's deeply entrenched in the Equian world. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talk about all these genres within 30 minutes. Okay, let's, let's see if we can squeeze it all in, right? Let's try. All right, okay, so here we go. So you're, you know, like I just previously mentioned in your intro, you're, you're heavily invested into the world of horses. So why did you choose it as your main career? And who introduced you to it? Well cheesy saying but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree my father uh, used to own and race horses in the jockey club of saudi back when it was based in, in malaz so in malaz was the base of the jockey club and then as it expanded it moved here to janadria a lot of people think that horse racing in saudi started just a few years ago but it started in 1965 okay it only became international or we started opening up to internationals like four years ago. My introduction was, I think I just got lucky because I came off from a degree. I studied a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater at Emerson College in Boston. I did that decision against all odds, but coming back to Saudi, there was a reality of, I'm not going to work in the things that I love. So I had to make a rational decision and picking up a career in something that's fun. It's going to keep me on my feet but there's also this sense of beauty within it. And so that's where horse racing came in. And it was like, there's enough drama in it that keeps me preoccupied until I actually find the things that I want to do as an artist. So this is where these things kind of start merging into each other. So it's a decision based on what kind of emotions I'm gonna experience. And horse racing makes you fall in love with the horses. It makes you cry, laugh, you're invested if it's your horse, but working in it, it also has its kind of its own joy and its own special perspective. So there's a little bit of everything in it, and that's why I love it. All right, and 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 uh, so, what example can you give us, like uh, encapsulates how it is working in the industry? Well, it's tough. Okay. Um, because at the end of the day, working around animals and horses, there's a you know there's wake up calls at five a.m to watch them train, photograph them, talk to the trainers. The industry itself revolves around a horse, an animal. So there's that kind of moving element, but then there's a lot, it's an industry. You have people employed, you have systems in place. Uh, you have to regulate it in order for these horses to perform in a safe environment and in an environment that kind of gives them a sense of performance. So what Saudi's doing is it's, pumping up or pushing uh, its level within horse racing around the world in a way that makes our races uh, an attraction. So we all know Royal Ascot. We all know 
uh, our neighbors in the Emirates that have Dubai World Cup. Uh, so what we have built, which is the Saudi Cup, uh, the goal is for our leadership to kind of show the world that we also have horse racing that could compete globally on a massive level, hopefully. And so working in it, I'm just one piece of puzzle. I'm okay. not running anything yet. But what I do is I try my best to understand the basics, the small steps, uh, what it takes to be in this industry and what it takes to grow in it. So my experience has been a mix of photographing horses, uh, painting them. But with the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia, it's a more technical role in communications, uh, the media element, um, traveling around the world in horse racing events like Kentucky Derby or Royal Ascot, um, understanding why other countries have done it the way they've done it okay. and how we can do it in our own way, but also compete. All right. So uh, you're mainly doing media, PR, and communication for the Saudi Jockey Club of... That's right? my area, yeah. Okay. And so aside uh, from the Saudi Cup, what else can you tell us, you know, is in the pipeline to be added to, you know, the endeavors of the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia? Well, right now we have, during the summer, races in Daif. And Daif is has always been uh, a place where the weather is different. And this is why it's important to race the horses during the summer. Okay. And so then beyond the summer, we have a Riyadh season starting around October uh, and it goes until March. And Saudi Cup is within that program. The idea is to have these races ongoing throughout, okay. throughout each weekend uh, in, a, in a way that's professional in a way that's competitive, in a way that keeps owners and trainers here in Saudi uh, happy, essentially. Okay. And another element is to attract young people, people my age, to attend these host racing meetings, to probably think about being owners themselves or participating in any shape or form. It's a huge industry. You can be an owner, you can be a trainer, you can be a jockey, you can, um, you can work within those elements, or you can work in a equestrian authority or the Jockey Club of Saudi. There's so many ways for you to insert yourself. The director there, you can be a PR. Exactly, you can be anything. We're speaking right now about <laughs> horse racing, but we're in a beautiful facility here in the Janadria about show jumping. So equestrian sports, it's a huge umbrella. So you might not find yourself in horse racing, but you might find yourself in show jumping or something else. And there's a dog as I'm speaking. Yeah, exactly, right? So I mean, it's it's an environment. Yes. Everyone's welcome. It's an experience in its own right, right? We're like, exactly. We're, we're, we're out the city. We're one with nature. and, and we're It's enjoying. a nice escape. I yeah, think exactly. that's the main attraction. It's an escape. All right. And uh, so how do you feel working in the horse racing industry uh, and uh, or how do you find working in the horse racing industry and uh, find time to train as a fencer? How do you balance both? Because you're a fencer as well. I am a fencer, yes. Um, my passion for fencing has always been there when I was young, but I only participated in it in a serious level uh, last year uh, in London. So finding time is almost impossible because fencing is physically enduring and to take it seriously to compete as an athlete um, you don't have a life okay and it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle in its own right yes and so finding time for an athlete to have a life outside of that is always a conversation that's ongoing so you have to set boundaries 
for me, what I love about fencing, what attracted me about it is the fact that it's a mental sport. The physical part wasn't as bad as I imagined. You just have to stay fit. The mental part, this is where it takes you to another level and it mirrors life. So the more that you understand yourself psycho psychologically about fencing, you kind of understand what you're doing in the job. So with horse racing, it's a lot of energy going on. Having that job as your main kind of nine to five can be hectic. It can take your personal life away from you. But then after that, I clock out, I go to fencing and there's something in your brain that kind of just shuts off and just focuses on the blade. So fencing to me can be an escape from what you're doing. And as you can see, there's a pattern in what I'm doing. You just keep escaping one thing to another. All right. Okay. And, and uh, so can you give us some insights on, on, you know, fencing as a sport, especially focusing on, on, on the discipline that, you're, the, 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 that you do in fencing? So fencing has, it's, the way that it works, it's a sport that has three disciplines, just like actually horses with the, with the Olympics. You have eventing, show jumping, and dressage. So in fencing, you have epee. Um, you have saber, okay. then you have foil. And the difference in each blade is also the difference in the way that you win. So with epe, you, the entire body of your component is a target. Okay. With foil, it's just the upper body. And with saber, you slash with your sword. Okay. So each uh, target area is different and each sword moves differently. Right. Mine, the reason why I picked it was, it's not about speed, it's not about physical endurance, it's about your mind. So this is the way that I see my discipline, which is epe. Okay. Uh, that's why I picked it, essentially. All right, and uh, so basically, uh, I just wanna tap into what a regular schedule for you would be like. So, all right, so you're working, you know, in, in the horse industry at the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia. You're training as a fencer. And of course, you are still pursuing your passion which is, you know, your your artwork. That's that's right here that we have right here in the background, as well. So um, basically, how, how um, basically do you translate all all these different realms in, into each other, and then you know, and like, how's your day go on a <laughs> from a creative like? and professional <laughs> level? That's a good question. They are realms in their own sense. That's yeah. a good uh, point. Um, the way that I do it is you start by having discipline the way that you wake up and sleep. And between those, like, we all have the same 24 hours. I try to make sense of it. I don't like my days going by doing nothing. Okay. So aside from my job, which is very technical, you work in horse racing, you're, you know, checking in, checking out, seeing the world news, news within your jurisdiction. Uh, once that's over... If I have training for fencing, I, I go to that, which is next to the club. So I'm lucky in terms of geolocations. Geo everything's close to each other. All right. So I go fence, turn my mind off from work, from everything. Just focus on the blade. Try to understand where you went wrong the day before. And then once that's over, I go back home and I check in with my family. And then if I have alone time, I would pick up my brush and paint. So I change the blade to a brush which is what we have uh, behind me right now. Yeah. That's one of the paintings that I've done. And the reason why I picked painting uh, is because some things you cannot translate with words and some things you want to express when you leave this earth. Because okay. our, our lifespan is very short. And I think with painting, you get to express emotions in a way that words can't. 
And I like the fact that at the end of the day, I'm creating something and I'm leaving a mark. Um, and what I love about painting is it's physical. It stays, it speaks. And hopefully some people can come past it, walk past it when they see it and it can speak to them as well. So it becomes a moving conversation. Okay. So when you say painting expresses things that words can't, yes. give me an example. How do you feel that it does that expression? Okay. So the painting behind me is of a horse called Galileo. He's Irish. And he's named after the astronomer, uh, Italian philosopher called Galileo. So Galileo 500 years ago looked at the stars and tried to understand what's going on beyond Earth. And that, to me, is fascinating. When I was 15, I was obsessed about him for a phase. But it was the information that I wasn't taking was too heavy for me to understand when I was 15. But as a horse, having that name, for me, was not a coincidence. You give that horse this name, and it turns out to be one of the strongest sires and horse racers, a horse racing uh, figures that has changed the course of horse racing. Um, and then... For me, that kind of information, I read about it, and there's a lot of information that I want to share about it, but I don't have the words to say it. There's a connection that I see between the astronomer and the horse, but I don't know what to say about it. And okay. so this is where I pick up a brush and try to tell the world what I'm trying to see, if that makes any sense. Okay, well, kind so of. So the painting I mean, behind me, yeah. you can see there's space, there's a sense of a galaxy going on, and there's no grass, okay. although it's a horse race. And not to try to intellectualize it, it's just a feeling that you get. And if you're lucky with the brush, with the technique, with doing the hours, you can transcribe that feeling into an image. All right. Okay. I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words, they say, right? I mean, so maybe, you know, artwork can so. be uh, worth a hundred thousand words, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. I mean, that was my, my attempt of making a corny joke, but you know, let's 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 get back to your equian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's let's get back to your equian art form. So, how do you you connect you know, sport uh, the sport with your with your art? Like, how do you combine the two? Well, it started actually as a project. So, I had a break. So, I worked at the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia from the beginning of the Saudi Cup, which was twenty twenty. Okay. But right in the middle, I needed a break. Um, so I pursued my master's in history of art and archaeology in London. Okay. And so going back to the club, once I was done, the very first task they gave me was a tribute to Jodmont. So what's Jodmont? The biggest, one of the biggest, uh, he passed away sadly, one of the biggest horse racing figure in the world was the Saudi, Prince Khaldun Abdullah, Allah Rahma. And he left behind an empire called Jodmont of breeds horses and it's uh, it's quite it's impact it's hard to pinpoint and the club has done a, a beautiful gesture by doing a horse race that's dedicated to Prince Khadim Abdullah and they wanted to kind of also give a tribute okay. and so once I came back from London I started my job that was the first thing on my desk and so I was researching and trying to understand how do you summarize a life that's that long to people okay and so as I looked through images, I started imagining a painting. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the brush as I was working. I started coming back from work and painting. Right. And everything I would research, I would put into a painting. And uh, I presented those paintings. the first time in my life to present oil paintings to the world. So that's where it clicked. Right. It's like the horses that I'm looking at, the images, they speak. And those, those words that they're speaking, I cannot express until I pick up a brush. Okay. That makes sense. All right, makes sense. 
you know, I mean, sometimes what you have in your mind cannot be verbalized. It needs to be, you know, conceptualized a bit more, you know, if, if that makes sense, I guess, as a response to what you said. <laughs> All right. And uh, so what's your most celebrated artwork since you've started this? Um, I don't have one yet. Okay. Maybe the one behind me. Maybe the one behind you? Yeah. To you, that's your most celebrated. Because it's, uh, it's personal. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, where have you taken this, this artwork itself? Like, give us an example. This is the first visit. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, all right. So I feel special. The show is... First time I le it left the home. The first time it left the house. Yes. All right. Okay, cool. See, the, the main man show this season is, is just full of exclusivity. Things coming out of homes and people doing interviews. And, and, but the and thing is about art... Um, a lot of artists, they get celebrated um, in a way that you cannot predict. Okay. No one can predict if your art is worth celebrating. You can go to art schools today All right. and find so many people that are talented. But what makes your artwork worthy of being in a museum is a question I don't know the answer to. No one knows the answer to. The art world isn't regulated the way other industries yeah. are. So the thing, there's a similarity in horses. So what makes a horse a great horse? So what makes Galileo one of the best and not one of the genera Drio horses that we have here? Okay. How do you select that? How do you know that? And mm -hmm. um, that's not having the answer. It keeps us trying. And I think that's worth digging into. All right. Fair enough. And uh, so what's your aspirations and your artistic goals from the art world realm? Well... My background was in theater. When I was young, all I wanted to do was join the theater and perf perform the ideas that I had in mind on a stage, not just then as an actor, as a writer, as a director, as a designer. And that's where my main passion is. I hid that and put it aside because the reality is Saudi just started. Okay. And what I have in mind does not fit here. Mm -hmm. at the current situation. Yeah. The ecosystem isn't available for it to thrive. It's not. What we have today as theater is Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. And I'm not interested in Cirque du Soleil. I'm, I've grown out of that. Okay. I was interested in it when I was 12. And I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. So my artistic aspirations are difficult to achieve in the environment that I'm in. So the best answer to that question is I'm going to try to create a table. Mm -hmm. My own where I can express myself in the way that I want okay. and be surrounded by people who understand those thoughts. Um, and so to create an environment where I can thrive rather than to find an environment because finding an environment means you might compromise. And okay. artistic compromisations, they're, they're not good for the artist or those around them. You won't find anything worth value if you keep compromising within okay. the arts. Okay. You have to be true, I think. All right, well, that, that, that goes to a lot of... Um, I mean, it's not really a quote or anything, but every time I talk to people in the art world, is you cannot compromise art in, in general. So no. it's, it's, it's interesting to see it's... Uh, you can't, yeah. It's a, it, it's a reoccurring uh, stance or impression. So. But with all due respect to those who do, uh, some of them, look, to live off being an artist, that's difficult. This okay. is where you start compromising, uh, becoming maybe commercial, too commercial, doing things that aren't necessarily your style because you have to live. Okay. And so I, I don't want to sound far removed from reality. At the end of the day, there are people today that don't have food and shelter. Art is a luxury. It comes at the end of the pyramid. Right. And um, this is why I'm not 
crying or whining. I'm just living my life. Okay. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, there are other more important things in life. I think you've, you've, you know, you've diversified the opportunities for you to thrive. So, you know, if I think that's the best way to live. Yeah. If it doesn't look, you can, there's a quote. They say John Lennon said it, but he didn't. It okay. belonged to someone else. Life is what's happening okay. while you're busy making plans. All right. And you can make all the plans that you want for yourself. You want to be this and that and that. But the opportunities that come to you, that might not match your plans. Okay. So what do you do? You just stay in your room? No, you're going to live. So you have to kind of be a grown-up about it. So I am, in an essence, an artist. But I didn't find my time yet. So I turned to horses. There's still beauty in it. All right. You know, you, you and me have something in common, right? What's that? So, you know, you, you wanted to be an artist, but, you know, you've... you've You've worked, you started, you know, expanding your horizons, working in, you know, communications, working, uh, you know, in the horse industry. And so I wasn't in the fencing industry and I wasn't in the horse industry, but I was, in the, you know, officially in, in the media industry. But yes. Now, you know, I've, I've, I've paved the way in the communication industry as well. This is <laughs> where we first met <laughs> as well. And that we, is we, true. You know, we uh, worked on Saudi Cup coverage for, for Arab News. And uh, you know it's 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 very interesting. You never know just just where the road of life may take you as well. Yes. All right. And uh, speaking of of uh, you know like Saudi Cup and participants in the Saudi Cup, why don't you give us an example or tell us a little bit about the artwork that's behind me right here? So the one behind you is called Phantom Gold. Okay. I was attracted to it by its name, All but right. then I as I dug into it, I realized. Queen Elizabeth uh, was known for her love of horse racing. Okay. And these are her silks, or the silks of the monarchy. Now they belong to King Charles. Um, she, the thing is about horse racing, they call it the sports of kings. Yeah. Um, what's fun about it is that no matter who you are, as an individual in society, royal or not, okay. your chances of winning a race are not up to you. This is where it becomes really fun. So Queen Elizabeth, for a really long time, she would participate with her horses and sometimes not win. Um, so that kind of, her excitement and her love of horses, you have to respect it because it's pure. It has nothing to do with who she was. Okay. Um, Frankie Dettori, who's retiring this year, um, one of the greatest jockeys that's ever lived, uh, only won with Queen Elizabeth once, although he rode a lot. And it was with Phantom Gold in, I believe, 1996. And so I saw that image and I had to paint it. All right. Just, there's a connection to it. We're, we're losing Frankie, hopefully not forever, but in the, in the sport as a jockey. And we already lost Queen Elizabeth. And it's nice to commemorate things that speak to you. And yeah. it, this moment in time spoke to me. So right. I wanted to give it life. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So let's, let's, let's go to the fundamental years. All right. So you, you studied theater? All right, and uh, where did you study that? I studied in Emerson College, which was in Boston. Okay, yeah. and uh, what from that experience, that duration of, of, of your life, you know, studying theater in Boston, uh, what can you tell us, like, you know, from that period of your life that helped shape who you are today? It's a good question. Because the period where you graduate from college, uh, from high school and go into college, it Nobody warns you, but it's the most important period, and it's crucial. I made that decision to go to theater 
in a time where Saudi didn't have theaters. Okay. And so all my friends looked around me and they're like, we support you, but what are you doing? Yeah. What are you going to do after? What are you going to do after? What are you going to do with this? Okay, you like it. You love theater. A lot of people love theater. A lot of people watch Broadway. doesn't mean they're going to work in it. I did it anyway, uh, kind of like reckless youth decision. It wasn't, I wasn't that wise. <laughs> All right. So going into it, I did everything, design, acting, writing, um, anything I can possibly sign up for, I signed up for, including costume design. Okay. I would sew like edges of, of costumes and work with actors and, and I understand. Say, are you going to be a designer next? Is that like another thing you're looking to get into? I don't know. I'm not going to answer because if I say yes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I have a lot. <laughs> So I'm going to keep it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, theater taught me about life because I, it started with Shakespeare. I read it. We're, by the way, we're lucky as Arabs that we can read Shakespeare at any age because it's just it's our official language. Okay. But in English, you can't just read Shakespeare. You need to decipher it. You need okay. to, yeah, it's difficult. So when I read it, I was like eight, nine. All right. And I loved it. And what Shakespeare teaches us is that Life can be interesting. People can be interesting. His stories has lived for so long because people relate to it still. And you can reread it and still discover more. And for me, that's what theater is about. It's about life. You keep going to a play, into a show, and you keep discovering more. And the amount of emotional roller coasters, they don't end. Every time I, I book a ticket to a show, which, whether it's a ballet or an opera or a musical right. or a circus, I don't know what I'm going to expect. You know, you watch, you listen to Puccini and you cry, and then you go watch a show for a director that I really love called uh, Robert Wilson. Okay. You go there and you genuinely do not know what's going to happen the next five minutes. And I think that's what theater is about. It's like, it's an escape from reality, but it reminds you why reality is really important and you need to pay attention. Right. And that's what I discovered in those four years. It wasn't very artistic discovery, but it was a discovery about who I am as a person, which was surprising. And I always tell my friends and family, like, you should take like acting classes or it's like anything theater related because it's not about theater. It's about your life. All right. So you've, you, uh, after that, you you, t you just said uh, you also remember told, you told me earlier you, you studied your uh, studied art as well. History of art and archaeology. So history of art and archaeology. I so, dived into Japanese folklore, and you know, like everything you are telling me is everything so I'm going to say is going to so just I'm, I'm, go. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit and listen. So yes, please tell me now how how this other. You know, I once gave a job interview. There's okay. this really respectful lady, honestly. She looked at my CV. And she was like, can I just ask you something? And I knew what she was going to say. She's like, why can't you just focus on one thing? You're all over the place. Okay. I told her, give me my iPad, give me my stuff. And I walked out. Really? Yeah, I did. I just like, I don't want, thank you very much for your time. I hope you find a candidate that fits. I don't want this job. Okay. Look, I'm not recommending to try a lot of things to people, but I do. It depends on who you are. Not a lot of people can take that kind of pressure. They have to do one thing and barely do it. Okay. And that's okay. But for me, the more that I dive into things, okay. the more the interesting life becomes. So yeah. Japanese culture for me is so interesting. Right. The way it ticks, their concepts like wabi-sabi, uh, appreciating the imperfections, or ikigai, and the whole list of things. There's a really beautiful book about it. That to me makes life more interesting. Discovering Japanese art and 
their culture and the way that they viewed things um, just added more to the things that I was already interested in. So it's kind of like a moving conversation. I'm not a big believer in living your life in one kind of way and right. not looking outside of it because you can be removed removed from things. I've met wonderful people by diving into different sectors. Okay. And that's the whole point, isn't it? Well, okay. Well, that's one thing I liked about the, you know, like media and communications in general is because you're, okay, you're, you're technically not working one type of role because it's, it changes within the industry that either you work in from the comms perspective or from, you know, a media perspective and you're creating content for it. You know, in, in, in my career as well, I didn't stick to one one beat. You know, usually journalists stick to one beat. I didn't have that. I, I, I covered everything from, from, from politics to entertainment to culture to heritage to sports to investigative journalism to social topics, human rights, you name it. And uh, I think it panned out pretty well. You know, so, you know, it didn't, didn't really, you know, affect anything that much. It, in fact, it, you know, like you said, opens up your, your horizons to, to many things. What are your, your, your personal future aspirations? Like, how, how would you like to translate, you know, all this experience and education that you, you've gotten and basically utilize it uh, into something, I guess, hybrid to advance your career? I think for me, a really important thing is to express the ideas that I have, whether it's painting or it's through theater or film. All right. Theater bled into film, and that's the areas where I've been most comfortable with telling stories, telling a, you know, painting is essentially a story tell, told within a border. And that's what I love doing. But for me, what I really want to do is stay true to myself. As cheesy as that sounds, you can do anything in your life. You can succeed, but it's not up to you. It's really just luck. Okay. And I can't see the future, but what I can do right now is just be true to my thoughts on a daily basis. All right. Career-wise. Okay. Okay. And if you had to tell your next story, either through art, film, or what have you, what story would you tell? Your story? Okay. All right. That's it. Okay. Fair enough. Interesting. And uh, before we wrap up our interview, is there a personal message you'd like to send to the Arab News audience and the Mayman Show audience? Well, the only thing I always tell people is read. The first word that we received is Iqra. Reading. Everything is in reading. We think every, the answers are all out there, but it's in books. All right. And um, that's, that's uh, actually... It sounds simple, you know, like a simple advice, but actually the... It's the, difficult. The end, it's difficult, and the end result is, is very rewarding. It is. All right. I, be I believe that. And, uh, all right, well, we won't take much of your time. I'd like to wish you the, the best of luck on, on, on the tour that, that you guys are having currently with the Jockey Club uh, for Saudi and Taif and, and moving in, uh, uh, you know, back to Riyadh. And are there any other cities in the pipeline? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> for me, yes. The club, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Sounds interesting. All right. And uh, I'd like to thank you very much for, for taking time to be here. I would Making... like to thank you. Oh, right. This has been wonderful. I don't speak much. Okay. But I feel like sometimes 
the best thing is to speak, but as long as there's someone to listen. And so I thank you for this time. All right, well, so that's not a problem. I'm, uh, I'm not good at taking compliments. That's one thing. And, uh, it's not a compliment, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> All right. Okay. Take it. I'll take it and run with it. And I, I, I knew when I when I met you that you know you, you're an enigmatic character that was was pretty interesting, and I'm sure it translated pretty well for today's episode. And uh, tune in to the next episode for the Mayman Show, the one and only Mayman Show, and uh, to be or not to be, I guess. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,